The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball podcast on this lovely Memorial Day weekend, and we are uh, about four days away from what we all expected at the end of last year's NBA Finals, a rematch of Golden State versus Cleveland, the trilogy, and uh, joining me to get into this uh, final series and some other things. Not too far from Oakland, California, recurring guest on my podcast, live from Bay Area, Syed, uh, how's it going, Syed? Hey, I'm good. How about yourself? Doing well. I haven't talked to you in a while, probably since the first round of this playoffs. So uh, before we get into the the trilogy matchup between the Cavs and the Warriors, uh, kind of want to talk a little bit about the teams they beat. Uh, first, we'll start with Boston. Uh, they got a lot of stuff going on in their offseason. Uh, in possession of the number one pick, and they have a decision to make on their best player of the past year, Isaiah Thomas. So uh, what do you think they do in the offseason? Uh, you think they keep the draft pick? You think they deal it? Uh, what do you? How do you think their team looks going into next season? Yeah, I mean, I think they've stockpiled talent, you know, over the past three or four years, and they've kind of refused to trade their draft picks when they could have previously. Um, so I think they're going to keep their pick. Um what I think they should do, I think they should trade Isaiah Thomas and try to get the like uh, Paul George for him, throwing uh, some other assets. Uh, see if they're able to to get that sort of haul. Because to be honest, I think I think the Celtics played better in the in the in the conference finals after uh, Isaiah Thomas was gone. All right. Okay. So, definitely. Why? Why do you think they are a better team? Is it just because uh, he's kind of a ball stopper and his he's a defensive liability? What What things did they kind of uh, get to open up when Isaiah got injured in the first half of game two? I believe. I mean, like in the regular season, it's all fun and good. Uh, you know, you can play an up tempo system. People don't have time to kind of prepare for him. But in the playoffs, when you have Seven games to prepare for a five foot nine player, you can shut him down. Um, so he, I don't think he's one of those players who's you know who's able to step up his game in the playoffs. Um, I know he played good in, in the first couple of rounds, but um, if I was the Celtics, I'd trade him for a player like Paul George because I think against elite players, you need other elite players. And well, you know Isaiah Thomas had probably a top five to top ten season in terms of MVP voting. Um, I wouldn't say he's a top five, ten, top ten player. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, he's definitely, in my opinion, an elite scorer, but as the overall package as an entire player, I mean, he's pretty much ball-centric. He dominates the ball. He doesn't really move the ball around in an up-tempo type offensive system. And like you said, I mean, he's definitely a defensive liability. And then once you get in the playoffs, like you mentioned, any team that has like some long wings can and that they can shut him down pretty much just takes the Celtics entirely out of their offense. So, but I mean, 
in terms of a trade for Paul George, that's kind of an interesting tidbit because I think Paul George's salary is much higher than Isaiah Thomas. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is currently making, I think, $7 million, I think, going into next season. Who who else do you think they would possibly throw in a you would would you throw in another draft pick? Would you throw in like Jay Crowder or something? Who who do they throw into that package to kind of get the the money to work out in the CBA uh, side of things? Yeah, I mean, uh, I throw the package would start off with uh, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, and then uh, potential like future draft picks. I would not obviously trade this year's number one. Uh, so I, I, I think that would be kind of the center of the package, um, potentially like future first round picks and this year and like Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. Okay, they also have Brooklyn's first round pick from next season. Uh, would you po- consider including that for a Paul George or Jimmy Butler? Uh, in a different package, yes. All right, definitely, and then. Uh, where do you think they go with the draft pick if they keep it? Uh, you think they're going Fultz for sure? Uh, that's what it sounds like. Uh, and I would take Fultz over Ball. So, um, All right, definitely. Yeah, I, think, I think, you know, a, a player who, who plays the one position, who, who has the length and athletic ability that, that Fultz does, I think um, that's something that's an upgrade for their team, so... Okay, and then, uh, I mean, with Fultz or Ball, I mean, most likely they go with Fultz, in my opinion. But, I mean, in that case, I mean, Isaiah be- pretty much becomes obsolete, right? Exactly, and that's why, you know, it's not being talked about right now because he's kind of a hometown hero. But he's also due for a max contract after the end of next year. I'd trade him and get ahead of that. I mean, there's no way they're paying him that that two hundred million dollar rates. I mean, I don't think I don't think he's worth that type of money. What What's your take on that? Uh, he he's going to demand it, and he'll probably get it. Um, there's players like um, Chandler Parsons who get max contracts. Um, I mean, Mike Connolly got thirty thirty five million a year. Um, I could easily see Isaiah Thomas getting forty million a year. Wow. Especially if he drops 28, 29 points again next year. He, he, there's no way he's not getting $40 million after if he does that again. So that, that's why I'm saying, like, if I was Boston, I'd get ahead of that and trade him right now while you draft your, your future starting point guard. Wow, wow. What a time to be an NBA player. Uh, all right, uh, that's pretty interesting to see what Boston will do on their side. But uh, going to the Western Conference, uh, San Antonio absolutely uh, looked uh, – terrible after Kawhi went down in game one uh what do you think they do in the offseason uh what do you think happens with LaMarcus Aldridge and do you think they ultimately sign uh Chris Paul well uh you know it's tough I think I think obviously I think they want to sign Chris Paul now that Tony Parker is 35 and coming off uh what's been a career-ending injury for other players um you know, obviously Chris Paul would be a huge upgrade uh, there, um, but it depends on if if Chris Paul wants to take a pay cut. Because I think to to be able to sign Chris Paul to even a max deal, they have to get rid of a lot of assets um, and not re-sign a bunch of players. Now, you know, not signing, re-signing. Um, you know, some of those players is not a huge deal, like getting rid of Paul Gasol. Um, he, he didn't play that great this year anyway. 
Um, but losing players like um, Simmons, to, who's, who's like an up-and-coming role player, uh, and a bunch of other players like Danny Green, um, who, who's a solid role player as well, starting player at times. Um, uh, to lose all of that and then add Chris Paul, do I think they challenge Golden State? That, that's difficult, you know. I mean, I, I, I think Jonathan Simmons is gone either way. I think he kind of, uh, I mean, with Kawhi there, I, I, ju- I just don't see the Spurs paying him the type of money that he's going to demand in the open market. I think he is restricted, but I, do, I, ju- even, I just see some type of team throwing some sort of crazy contract at him just because they're kind of desperate and they have to kind of spend their cap, their, their cap money. So I don't see him staying either way, whether they sign Chris Paul or not. So... But uh, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, what were you saying earlier? I was going to say, I mean, Chris Paul's not the difference maker for them to get past the, the Warriors. They, they need a bunch of pieces. And if they lose three, four, you know, kind of role players and they add him instead, is it that huge of a bump forward? Um, no. Because like you said, I think, you know, they're kind of stuck in the ground at LaMarcus Altridge and they're kind of finding out that, hey, um, He's not exactly a lead player, even though he might produce like an all-star in the regular season. So they're kind of stuck, even though I think Kawhi Leonard is a top two or three player in the league. Uh, yeah, definitely. That'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, uh, going back to Chris Paul, I think uh, he definitely stands to make get that extra year if he stays with the Clipper. And I think they... <laughs> Him being kind of a union president, he kind of bargained for what he stands to make this upcoming season in his new contract with the Clippers. I think five-year, $202 million. That's what he stands to make if the Clippers re-sign him. But if he goes to the Spurs, uh, I think they are only they can only give him four years and up to $154 million, something like that. But uh, one thing I think that many people are not really looking at, I think he comes out per year basis making more in Texas just due to the state tax, no state tax, and all the other financial stuff per year. But uh, with the Clippers, he gets that extra $40 million or so, and then he gets that fifth year as well. So that'll be interesting to see if he he leaves something that he bargained for in the new CBA. And it's pretty much what, what they're calling the Chris Paul rule. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I think, uh, with like you said, I mean, they probably challenged the Golden State but would they get over the top probably not but I think they give them a better run for their money than they did this season in the conference finals and part of that was due in large part to Kawhi going down as well but uh, I think he'll definitely make their make their team better and but it'll be interesting to see because uh, wherever he's been I mean he's kind of always been the floor general he's kind of always had control now uh, going to San Antonio, he'd kind of have to play under Pop's rules and kind of get adapted to that culture. So definitely be interesting to see, but we'll see we'll see what happens with them, and should be interesting to see uh, if he signs the deal the deal with San Antonio and goes towards that the path of wanting to go towards a championship or stays with the Clippers and gets that extra year and the extra money as well. But uh, with that being said, we'll we'll now move into the main event that we're going to discuss, the three match, what people are calling it between Golden State and Cleveland. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the series? Uh, what do you think are the, 
the top matchups, and what do you think is ultimately going to determine who comes out on top? You know, like everybody is favoring Golden State right now by a huge amount. Uh, while I do think they're the favorites, I don't think it's like the ESPN BPI has them as like 90 to 93% favorites. Uh, I think Vegas has them at like 70% to 30%. Um, I don't think it's that big uh, in terms of favoring Golden State, but just given that they have four all-star level players, two superstar level players, um, they probably are the favorites right now. Um, I think key, key is going to be, you know, not letting two of the Golden State players go off because I think if you hold it to, like, one of them going off, you have a good shot. But these playoffs, both Durant and Curry have been playing really well. Um, if you can hold one of them in check, I think Cleveland may have a shot, and obviously they need um, – Someone to help out LeBron. Uh, Kyrie was amazing in games five through seven of the finals last year. They need that type of performance probably all seven games if they want to come out on top. Okay, I mean, yeah, it seems uh, like Golden State definitely is a huge favorite, and rightly so. Adding Kevin Durant, a transcendent, historical-type player to their their already great team who won 73 games last year. And then uh, Stephen Curry and Durant, like you mentioned, have played great all postseason so far. But, I mean, I haven't really seen very many games where both of them have just been clicking during the same game. So it's interesting to see how many of those games that they will have in the finals. And Clay Thompson kind of looks a little lost. He still looks like he's kind of trying to find his role at a, at a good pace, kind of find his role fully with this team. And then Draymond is kind of Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know what you're going to get from one night to the other. And then for Cleveland on the other side, uh, Kyrie has really looked to to be playing a lot better lately, especially in the last three or four games against Boston. I mean, he had that spectacular game four where it looked like uh, Cleveland was going to go down again with LeBron in foul trouble. And he came up and I think scored 42 points. And then LeBron came in the fourth and they kind of put the Celtics away in that game. And then Kevin Love, he looks like he's more defined in his role as well as kind of a spot-up three-point shooter and then a guy who kind of crashes the glass. Uh, where do you think he, he has made strides on defense? And do you think uh, he can kind of go face-to-face with Draymond in the upcoming finals? What do you think... Uh, Kevin Kevin Love's play will be in the in this finals because he was kind of subpar last year f- throughout the entirety of the finals. Yeah, I mean, I think on offense he 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 has his role more defined, but he's going to have oh, a terrible time on defense depending on what the Cavs do. I think they're going to pick and roll with with Kevin Love all day long. Uh, so if they switch, I think Kevin Love's going to get screwed. Um, they're going to have to do something to protect him on defense because I think he's you know, I think the Cavs, I think the Warriors try to expose him all the time, and I think he's going to pick and roll on trying to expose Kevin Love all day long. But I think on offense, you know, he, he's kind of found his his place within the offense. You know, the, the Cavs have a bunch of shooters surrounding uh, LeBron these days, and I, I think 
Um, you know, Kevin Love doesn't have to force his shots now. He he can actually like pass it around to a uh, Kyle Korver or Channing Fry or someone else. Uh, he doesn't have to force up a three like he kind of had to in the past. So he can take his shots and he he knows when to do that now. Um, so it, I think you know it, that's kind of his. Um, his plus side, you know, his shooting and his rebounding. But I do think he's going to get he's going to get killed on defense. To be honest, that, that's going to be like the glaring weakness for the Cavs. All right, yeah, and then going back to the LeBron and surrounded by shooters, uh, it seems like uh, LeBron always has kind of uh, some veteran spot up shooter kind of go off in uh, the finals. I think he had Mike Miller in 2012. He hit seven threes in the clinching game. In 2013, Shane Battier hit six threes in the clinching game. I think last year, J.R. Smith hit four or five threes in game seven. So uh, who do you think that guy is for him uh, in this series? Kyle Korver, Channing Frye, Deron Williams. Uh, and how, how, how often do you think Cleveland can play that lineup where they have LeBron and four shooters around him and get away with it against this potent offensive team in Golden State? Uh, I, th- I think they'll be able to because of, um, you know, the, I think Cleveland coming in this year has a lot more depth, depth than they have in the past couple of years. So that's kind of their strength is, is the amount of players they can throw out there who are all versatile. And, you, it, you know, I think the Warriors like to play small ball too, and I think LeBron can defend anybody who's out there uh, out for the Warriors. So that sort of lineup, I could see that. See the, the Cavs rolling that out pretty often, and then someone like Channing Frye. I didn't. We didn't see much of him in the finals last year, uh, just because of his how much of a defensive liability he is. And how much do you think we see of him uh, in this series? Because we didn't really see him at all last year in the finals. Yeah, I mean he he's had limited playing time this year as well compared to some of the other reserves. I think he's going to see some playing time. Because uh, Cleveland's going to need to, they're going to need to score a lot to, to keep up the Warriors. The Warriors regularly drop 120, 130. So the, the Cavs need to stay up with that. Um, and to be able to do that, you know, they, they need to be dropping threes left and right. Okay, and then, I, I mean, to me, it's for Cleveland, I mean, three very important keys in my opinion. I mean, it goes uh, maybe not in any particular order, but number one, physicality. Number two, pace, and number three, dominating the glass. And then, I mean, that pace one is kind of going to be the most difficult one for them to accomplish, in my opinion, just because if they slow down the pace, that kind of ruins their offensive rhythm and their offensive tempo. They like to be kind of fast-paced offensively, move the ball around, hit threes, have LeBron, space the floor, have LeBron be able to drive to the rim. But if they kind of speed up that pace, that and see in one way kind of seems to play into Golden State's hand, right? I think they can dominate the glass, but they, they have Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love. It's just going to be, can they do it for seven games? And then the physicality factor, I think they can do it. I think Golden State's more of a finesse team, and Cleveland with LeBron, Tristan, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, those type of guys, I think they have the physicality play on their side. So what do you think they do? as far as the pace thing, because do you think they slow it down more? Or do you think they've speed it up to kind of keep up with Golden State? Because that seems like kind of a death wish. Where do you think they go with that? Um, it seems like Cleveland likes to speed up the pace as well. Like you said, they like to get up and down the floor and find their, their shooters in space. 
So to be honest, like I think both teams prefer an, an up and down pace. Uh, I think that physicality and rebounding is going to be much more crucial. Um, so I think Tristan and Kevin Love really need to do a really good job of preventing Draymond Green from going wild on the glass, as well as you know whoever the the Warriors throw out at center, whether it's Zaza or um, Javale McGee. <laughs> yeah, I was going to refer to him by Shaq's nickname, but. We'll call him JL for now. <laughs> All right, definitely. And then, uh, I mean, for Golden State, uh, last year it seemed like Curry uh, was kind of uh, hampered by his injury. He didn't play too well in the, the games down the stretch. I mean, as far as the, them, I mean, who do you think is kind of the guy who's going to have the ball in their hand kind of when games get pressurized and in crucial situations? Do you think it's going to be more Durant, more Curry? What do you see with them in that aspect? Yeah, that's a tough situation. I don't think they've ever been put in that situation. You know, you saw earlier in the year, um, Curry was deferring to Durant pretty much the whole year until Durant got injured, and then Curry kind of stepped it up a little bit. Uh, and you can see also in these playoffs, it's mostly been Durant kind of taking the charge as well. But last year in Game 7, when they needed a shot, they gave it to Curry, and he kind of forced shots up. So if there's an opportunity here, I could see Curry trying to force it as well. Um, you know, Even though in the regular season, when that first game in Cleveland, when they, when they had that last shot to win it, they gave it to Durant instead of Curry. Um, I think Curry is probably going to be the one who wants to take the ball. Uh, definitely. And then, like last year, we saw Kyrie throughout the entirety of the series outplay Curry. Uh, what, do you, what do you see with that matchup this year? Who do you think uh, ultimately wins that matchup? Do you think Kyrie can do it again for a second straight finals? I think he can, but he needs to stay aggressive. Like There are times when he floats and kind of lets LeBron do his thing, but he needs to be aggressive all seven games. Um, and, and if he outplays Curry, then, then that's when Cleveland has a chance. Uh, definitely. I mean, Kyrie's just such a thrill to watch. I mean, I think I saw him for, in person for the first time, and I was just amazed at how easily and how how easily and how much easy he uses it to finish at the rim. I mean, he makes it look so easy, but, I mean, he's just – maneuvers his way contorts his body and makes all types of sort crazy looking type layups at the rim in my opinion the best finisher at the rim at the guard position in the game i mean what what do you see uh for him defensively i mean who do you think gets exploited more at that point guard position on a defensive side curry or Kyrie? because neither one of them are really very competent elite defenders in this league who do you think gets exposed more defensively I think the, the Cavaliers like to pick and roll with Stephen Curry and try to get LeBron on Stephen Curry and, and have him post up. They try to take advantage of, of Curry on defense. Um, the Warriors, sometimes they try to take advantage of those matchups, but I think they try to just move the ball around as much as possible. Um, and if, if they want to take advantage of someone, it's not going to be Irving. I think they're going to try to take advantage of Kevin Love. Um, so to be honest, um, I, Curry's probably going to get exposed more on defense than, than Kyrie. All right, definitely. And then 
going into uh, LeBron, I mean, who are they going to throw at him on defense, Golden State? Because uh, Iguodala is getting a little older up in age, and it seems like he's kind of a little banged up uh, going into the finals. Uh, do we see more of a Draymond, Clay? Uh, who are we going to see for the, the lion's share of, of this series? Uh, do you think Durant guards him the majority of the time? What, where do you think they go with that uh, defensively? Well, that's the story. Uh, everyone's, a lot of people are saying it's going to be Durant. And that Durant's always been afraid of LeBron uh, because LeBron has kind of dominated him in terms of wins in the past. And that's also the reason why he kind of stayed away from the East um, and headed to a team like the Warriors so he could have a chance, a shot at LeBron. Um, so that's the matchup I want to see, LeBron versus Durant one-on-one. Okay, and then on the other side, do you think LeBron guards Durant for the majority of the of the game, or do you think they throw someone like Shumpert or someone else on on Durant? Where do you think where does Cleveland go as far as guard, guarding a versatile type player as dynamic player as Durant? Uh, it'll probably be a mix of people because obviously you don't want to have LeBron expend too much energy um, guarding probably the best player on the other team, and you don't want to get LeBron in foul trouble either. Um, so I think it's going to be a mixture of people, but I, I definitely think you'll see LeBron on him at times. Okay, getting a little sidetracked here. Uh, LeBron uh, just passed Jordan as the NBA's all-time leading scorer in the playoffs. Uh, where do you think, uh, I mean, like he's going to rank, I mean, when he's all said and done, I mean, LeBron, I mean, and do you think uh, kind of a too much is made of when LeBron has a bad game? Do you think he gets criticized too much? And, I mean, because I, I just think, in my opinion, I've never seen uh, – a greater, more transcendent athlete in any other any other sport. I mean, not just basketball in any sport. Get more scrutinized and criticized as LeBron does. I mean, where do you think? I mean, ultimately, first, where he where does he end up when his career is all said and done? And what do you make of this scoring record? Uh, him passing Jordan as the NBA's all time leading scorer in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think what if he wins the title this year? Um, I think he's right there with Jordan and I think he has an argument for being better than Jordan um, right now I think he's just a little bit below um, but obviously I think he's a tremendous player and I think um, you know when Charles Barkley is making a statement like Kobe's still better than LeBron I think he's just doing it to piss off Shaq because he, he was saying Shaq was riding Kobe's coattails um, so I can't, I can't take things like that for seriously um, you know, I think that record passing Jordan, a lot of people are saying, hey, um, it took him a lot more games to do it. Um, those people are dumb because what they're not pointing out is that one... 120 fewer uh, shots, first of all. but Yeah, so exactly. So like LeBron said, he's not a scorer. He's a playmaker. So he... He just passed Jordan in a scoring list when he's not even a scorer, and that was Jordan's main thing. Um, and two, like you said, he did it more efficiently. He actually did it in less shots. So forget the number of games. Look at the number of shots. Um, I definitely, I mean, given that, I mean, I mean, a lot of people kind of scoff at the LeBron-Jordan comparison. And now, I mean, do you think it's uh, we can at least have a conversation? We're not saying that LeBron's better than Jordan currently. Does he at, le- at least deserve to be in the conversation at the present moment? I think you you do agree with that, right? 
I completely agree. I think he's been to the finals more times than Jordan, and people take it as a negative that he made it to the finals with bad teams, when that's actually a positive. Like, LeBron's been in the finals now eight times, um, and now I think seven straight times. No one else has done that outside of, like, a Celtics jersey when there were, like, six teams in the league. Um, So Jordan never did that. And out of those eight times that he's been in the finals, six times he was the underdog. So he's bringing bad teams to the finals consistently. Whereas when people look at Jordan, he, he won six, and that's great. And he was 6-0 oh in the finals. But people forget there's three times where Jordan was ousted in the first round. When did that happen to LeBron? Never. And you can argue that LeBron took those sorts of teams to the finals, terrible teams. So when, when I hear people say, hey, he's got six rings, that's a stupid argument. Yeah, I just feel like, I mean, it doesn't matter what LeBron does. I think, I feel like Jordan kind of has a built-up reputation that, like, <laughs> it's just, I mean, in my opinion, kind of too strong. I mean, even if LeBron wins, like, seven or eight titles, I think it's going to be too hard to kind of sway over the the Jordan supporters, the Jordan apologist, to the other side to say LeBron is better. I mean... I don't know ultimately what will happen, but I mean, it's just going to be, I think, in my opinion, too hard to sway those those people over. And in my opinion, going on another topic, I mean, in terms of durability, consistency, I don't think anybody, I mean, in NBA history has done it like as long, as successfully as LeBron does. I mean, I think this is his 13th consecutive year, in my opinion, being like a top five player, ninth consecutive season where he's been the best player in the league. I mean, if you look at Jordan's career, I mean, the longest stretch he played was nine consecutive seasons. So ultimately, I mean, do you think Jordan would have had a much more lasting legacy if he didn't quit the sport two different times? Uh, certainly, and I think that's the biggest argument for Jordan. I think there's a good chance, like, if he didn't retire for baseball, he would have had eight championships. Um because I do think they would have been the favorites, and he probably would have won um, those two championships that Hakeem got. Um, I think that's the biggest argument for Jordan. And not only that, so I kind of disagree with your longevity thing. Jordan was the best player in the league until he was 36. Um, until he retired that that sec- after that second 3P, he was still the best player in the league, hands down. And that was at age 35, age 36. Um so I think LeBron's still got a couple of ways to go to be able to match that. But I think he's right there where, you know, people doubt that. But I think he's right there. He just needs to, I think if he wins the championship this year, then it becomes like almost on the same level as Jordan. So, But as far as the longevity, the consistency thing, I'm just saying like 14 straight seasons, right? We've seen like something from LeBron. I mean, that, I mean, we've seen from very few other players. I mean, right? Jordan, we saw it for like maybe like nine nine consecutive seasons, ten consecutive seasons, but LeBron, I mean, we're gonna see it for probably like fifteen, sixteen consecutive seasons, right? Where he's like a legitimate top five player in the league. I mean, which other players can you name in NBA history that have done that? I mean, I mean, I can't really come up with few. I mean, maybe Jordan would have done it if he's if he didn't retire those few times. He probably would have. Did did Kareem ever get to that point? I mean, he he was he played in the league. I mean, like 20, 20, 21 seasons. Did he get to that point where he did like fifteen straight seasons? He was like a legit top five player in the league. 
Not exactly my time, but uh, it's hard for me to say yes or no to that. I think he won six MVPs, and he played 20 years, so I'm assuming that he he was probably pretty solid all, you know, almost until the end of his playing days. um, But it's hard for me to say whether Kareem is that consistent. He's somebody that doesn't get talked about a lot for some reason. Yeah, definitely. Big man, I mean, it always seems like when the greatest player discussion comes around are kind of ignored. It seems like they're kind of put in their own box. But with that being said, uh, as far as uh, LeBron, I mean, I know the the, the, the rumors are out there, the all the noise. Uh, if LeBron loses the finals, he's 3-5. and five. How can he be one of the greatest players with a finals record like that? I mean, what is... A, a loss due to LeBron's legacy this season if, if they ultimately do lose to Golden State in the finals? Yeah, obviously it hurts, but I think it goes back to the fact that people need to recognize he, he took teams that were not necessarily the best team in the league to the finals. Uh, so it's not like he was Shaq and Kobe teaming up with the, the best player and the second best player in the league getting to the finals. Um you know, out of the eight times that he's been in the finals, including this year, there's six times that he was the clear underdog. So if he won three three times, that means there are times that he won where he wasn't the underdog, like last year. The only time they were probably favorites, right, was in 2011, I think, against Dallas, and 2013 against San Antonio. Am I correct with on saying that? Yeah, that's correct. So they, they lost against Dallas, which... I think obviously that that hurt his legacy probably more than anything. Um, yeah, that's prob- that's, that's really the only one I can kind of say they lost because of LeBron. I think that's really like the black the black hole on his resume. But uh, I mean, as far as like we look at LeBron, I mean, every year, every playoffs, it seems like, in my opinion, I always hear LeBron's legacy is on the line in this game. LeBron's legacy is on the line in this series. But, like, it seems like Kevin Durant, he's been in the league, like, 10 seasons. I think I've maybe heard it once for him. Stephen Curry been in the league, like, eight eight years. I don't think I've ever heard it for him. Very hurt, Rarely hurt for Chris Paul. I mean, why, why does LeBron held to this type of standard, I mean, compared to other great players in the league? I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard it for, like, any, any other great players. Why is LeBron held to, like, a different standard by the media than all the other great players in the league? I think it's because he, who he's getting compared to. He's getting compared to Jordan directly, and um, you know, if he if he wins the, this year's finals, I think, like I said, he's going to be right there with Jordan, um, and no other player can say that. Uh, like Kevin Durant, he's never ever going to get compared to Jordan, and especially going forward, he just became coattail. No one's ever going to say that this is his Warriors team. It's Stephen Curry's team that he's won a title with, and. Like, Durant's there for the ride. Durant's now like Clyde Drexler. And so no one's ever going to mention him again. And I think Chris Paul's like done. Like, no one wants to compare to him to anybody other than maybe, I don't know. But certainly not, uh, not in Jordan territory. Okay, I mean, going back to the Durant thing, I mean, in my opinion, I think he's been the best player on this Golden State team. I mean, until he got that injury and then I mean Curry kind of Curry's game kind of stepped back up I mean up till that point I mean Kevin Durant was probably ahead of LeBron in the MVP voting at that point in the league at that point in the season would you would you not agree 
Um, he, he might have been, but um, Durant's never won anything. Durant was actually the favorite to win the title when OKC played Miami, and it, they got lambasted in five games. Um, and the Warriors have been to the finals two times in a row. Steph Curry's the back-to-back MVP, unanimous MVP last year. Um, I see it as Steph Curry's team, and Durant's there for for a ride. I mean, I, I mean, what 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 will happen? I mean, if Durant is like the clear MVP, I mean, will that change your kind of sway your opinion? Because I think Durant has far and away been the best player on the team throughout the entire season, and then going into this finals, going into the playoffs as well, I think he's played the best on the team. So you're on that, you're on that, like no matter what, it's Curry's team. Doesn't matter how Durant plays. Are you on that kind of wagon? That's where I'm at. Tony Parker won in a Finals MVP too, but he was never better than uh, Tim Duncan. Yeah, I agree with that. But I mean, I, Tim Duncan was definitely playing better than him throughout the entire season. I think Durant has been playing the best on that team this entire season, in my opinion. So it it doesn't matter who's playing that Durant is playing better, or is it is it just like going into the season? Curry's a back to back MVP. Is that your logic? Or I mean, I kind of want to see where you're coming from on this. This, this statement that it's going to be Curry's team no matter what. I think he he he, he had a better season because Curry had Curry was kind of I don't know he was trying to adjust to Durant and really deferring to Durant in the beginning of the year just so just so he he could make Durant comfortable like you know Curry wants Durant to be there long term because Durant can opt out at the end of this year and go anywhere else. Um, uh, so can Curry, by the way, but. Um, so he was deferring to Durant quite a bit, but when Curry was being aggressive again, he's right there with Durant. Um, I think in terms of their productivity. So um, you know, just because James Harden had a better year than a bunch of players, do I think he's a top two player in this league? No. So yeah, I think Durant had a better year this year. Does that make him a better player? Not necessarily. Okay, I mean, I think, in my opinion, I mean, we'll disagree to disagree on this one, but I, I think Durant, I think, does so much more things for the Warriors other than his versatile offensive play. I mean, he, I think he's he's kind of become their defensive anchor along with Draymond Green, and I think his length has kind of really helped them defensively. And, I mean, his passing skills, I mean, his three-point shooting, I think it is, he's really brought a lot to this Golden State team. I mean, they've already been a great team, don't get me wrong, but I think... He's going to be a very important factor for them going forward, and he already is this season. So, I mean, we'll agree to disagree on that one, and then we'll kind of get back to the conversation at hand that we that this podcast is based on. Basically, the finals pick. I mean, who, who do you who do you ultimately see winning? I mean, do you go Golden State or Cleveland? What do you think? We're rooting hard against it, but I think Golden State's going to win it. Um, I think it's going to go six or seven games. Um, so I'm going to say Warriors in seven. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm going Golden State as well. I th- I just think uh, they have uh, with four future Hall of Famer All Star level players. I think they have too much, and they're going to overwhelm Cleveland. I I'm going to go in seven as well. I think uh, Golden State in seven. I think this is kind of the time Durant kind of gets over the hump and kind of his team for the first time in his career kind of supersedes the team that LeBron is on. So with with that being said, I I think Durant will be the best player in this series. I think he'll win the MVP. Uh, who do you see taking home the Finals MVP? Um, I, 
I could see LeBron getting it even if he loses. Um, but yeah, it, obviously I think pro- the favorites are Steph Curry and, and Durant. Um, and Vegas, I think, has Durant as the odds-on favorite. So. Okay, definitely. And then, uh, what, what's this whole uh, thing with with Kerr? I mean, do you think Mike Brown stepping in for Kerr? Do you think he gets some sort of a good head coaching opportunities at the end of the season just because of how well Golden State has played, even though it might have been in spite of Mike Brown? I think so. I mean, I think it's an example of why the players make the team, not the coach. So, I mean, Luke Walton stepped in. He was what, like twenty-five and zero or something last year. Uh, for Steve Kerr, um, he he goes to the Lakers and they're uh, obviously trash. Um, so just because um, Mike Brown steps in, they do well, doesn't mean Mike Brown's a good coach. But I think it'll probably open up some opportunities for him. Yeah, I definitely agree with the coaches thing. I mean, I think it's kind of a superstar league. It's been like that for probably the past thirty, thirty-five years. And then, I mean, superstars, in my opinion, are more important to kind of the team aspect of winning then i mean coaches have some impact but not as much as kind of a superstar player but with that being said oh, we're both going warriors in seven i think durant mvp you think durant or curry so with that being said Syed, uh thank you so much for coming on it's always a pleasure and look forward to having you on again uh sometime in the within the next month all right thanks definitely looking forward to, to watching these two teams go at it yeah, it should be a great finals. I hope everyone enjoys the great uh, 2017 finals, the the three match, the the trilogy, and hope everyone enjoys the game. Have hope you all have a safe Memorial Day weekend, and I will be back after the NBA finals to discuss the F- NBA finals, uh, the recap, and go into the 2017 NBA draft. Thank you, guys.